This is podcast number 120 after a bit of a pause, and I'm thinking almost irresistibly about the impersonality of the creative life force. And it has uh, important implications for me personally, and I'm going to talk briefly about a, uh, a ridiculous thing and then move on to... I guess the word is extrapolate or elucidate or extract or apply or simply discover the meaning that this particular apparently ridiculous thing has uh, for me in my own sense of um, of creativity. And I hope that you might yourself um, maybe derive some impact or some resonance or some subatomic uh, kind of uh, response to this uh, attempt to discover that which is impersonal in the creative process, you might also say in the religious process, and therefore to sort of take it out of the realm of personality. So whether you get um, sort of whether you're sort of old and uh, kind of uh, treading water like myself, or whether you're at another phase of uh, of pulling back, or just simply a phase of enforced uh, passivity, you might be encouraged, because this actually encourages me, and it relates to really sort of finding hope in the impersonality of God. By that I mean to say the possibility of finding a direction 
that is um, independent of your own particular given circumstances and, and uh, kind of characteristics. What in the world is that about? Well, let me start, and it's rather short, but I think you'll get the idea. I spent some time recently with a, um, a fairly obscure, I guess we'd call it second-level B movie, but lower second level, B minus. Uh, if you have A pictures, B pictures, and C pictures, this would be in the B minus range, entitled The Black Castle. And um, The Black Castle was made in 1952, and I'm not going to worry you with sort of the usual uh, kind of uh, kind of movie maven discussion of The Black Castle, but it's actually what The Black Castle kind of connotes, which is really um, quite uh, marvelous. There is a whole range of uh, artistic work that is in uh, decline. That is to say, what I mean to say is artistic works that were created in a period of decline by artists in decline and by people in decline and even by a kind of genre in decline. And The Black Castle is a fascinating and to me almost mesmerizing example of what uh, we can learn from a uh, piece of creative product that is in decline, and clearly in decline, but also extremely cool. The Black Castle is simply a 1952 universal gothic adventure slash horror story, which leaps out of the mid-40s, but is actually in the era of the Atomic Age. And uh, it's really extremely retro and odd, because you have a universal horror picture with Boris Karloff playing a minor but remember uh, remembranceful role, an important role in terms of the sort of feel of the piece, and Lon Chaney Jr. coming in, playing a mute servant known as Gargon. <laughs> I mean, that in itself is enough for the whole movie to break the glass ceiling of importance, Gargon. Um, and this movie has is very stylistic, uh, stylishly done with uh, some outstanding matte pictures of the Black Castle itself, and it has to do with intrigue in the 18th century that, or early 19th century that actually takes place in an Austrian Gothic castle in enclosed space, but uh, paging Earl see Kenton, and yet is um, related to something that happened in Africa long before, uh, involving explorers and revenge and a kind of uh, murder uh, drama that is now occurring in Austria, involving the explorer Sir Richard Burton, whose name I think is now turned to Beckett, played by uh, Richard Green, Robin Hood, Joe Meek, Paging, and um, they're alligators in a horrible torture dungeon and they relate to Africa in Austria and um, it is just an absolute what used to be called a farrago of diverse gothic elements and yet somehow in retrospect I've seen it three times recently and had seen it long ago bits and pieces but it's one of these forgotten movies because it, it fell completely between the stools is it a sort of 1940 like the black room uh, is it a 1940 universal kind of gothic or um, intrigue gothic um, or is it um, 1952 when it was made the music is almost all um, cobbled together from universal horror themes by Skinner and Sautel and um, Salter the musical score is absolutely wonderful you feel like you're in 1942 but you're in 1952 the very good photography it was produced by William Allen who did some of the great um, 
Universal and other science fiction movies later. So you're really um, at the end of something and the beginning of something. And um, I thought to myself, for heaven's sake, what is this saying? Is it a little bit like an, you know the, the, the much older John Fords when critics are always saying, oh, as an old man, he became such and such? Or he, you know, did the people who made this think that they were putting a kind of punctuation point to a series of movies? Obviously, no, they wanted to make money. But, um, or, or does it, is it sort of, is it the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end? Or is it the end or is it the beginning? Which leads me to the point of importance about The Black Castle, which I recommend you see purely because it, it is such a mixture that deconstructs all kind of categories. That's what I really want to say. It deconstructs all kinds of categories. It is, um, it is great, but it is also um, not very tight. And it is uh, harking back, and yet it is dealing with universals. Beautiful blondes, uh, one of whom has a very obvious, is a starlet who never went anywhere with a very obvious American accent. Is it an English kind of Gainsborough, you know, the wicked lady type of thing? What in the world is it? Well, it's both everything and nothing. And that's uh, what struck me. I said recently that I wrote somewhere, could my podcast on Hara Hotel really be the last word in my life? And I sort of said, well, you know, that wouldn't be the end of the world. Because Hara Hotel is just like this. Hara Hotel, is, it's, a, it's a ghost story that is both completely universal and modern, and yet utterly retro in its themes. It is totally dualistically Christian in its um, conclusion, <clears throat> and in the minister, and in the power of the cross. And yet it is hysterically wonderful in its famous tagline, I say famous, ring for doom service. And yet it's 1960. It's really well done with a very, very haunting, <coughs> slight little score. You can just see the English musicians, about six of them, or maximum eight in a little tiny studio. You can just see them recording with sort of three, max four, but I suspect three singers. And uh, and yet they produce this haunting little universal work of art. Is it old? Is it new? Well, that's the whole point. It's none of those things. I was thinking about this in relationship to another group of movies that were produced by the blacklisted uh, sort of emigre American producer Richard Gordon in the 50s. I think he did one called Fiend Without a Face, The First Man into Space, um, The Atomic Submarine, The Haunted Strangler, Carters of Blood, and they're all good. They're wooden, and they're, they were all made uh, sort of to duplicate American movies, but they were completely, totally made in England with completely English um, cast, essentially, and, and crew. And, but they're made for the American market. They reproduce life on a Canadian Air Force base and life in Bremerton, Washington, um, on a U.S. Um, naval base. And yet they're all filmed in England, and they're wonderful. And yet they're also very not good and yet great. Now, what is all this? Is, is Paul getting all zen again? Um, the, uh, what this says is that the um, creative force, and let's just call it the life force for lack of a better name, Bergson, you know, are we in the Bergson world? I don't know where we are, but I know that there's something called the, the, the impersonal uh, creative force that Hurd is always talking about, perking up underneath you, the Paul Zoll or the... Um, whoever, whatever, you just put your name in, that is bigger than we are. And the Black Castle, which is really a, 
uh, a perfect case of the doctrine of dependent arisings, has no real center and therefore it is a completely impersonal tribute to the power of something to happen when everything could happen or nothing could happen. Um, please don't think that I'm making the case that it's a great movie. It's a pointer to something infinitely bigger than, it is the sum that is infinitely bigger uh, than the parts taken together. Horror Hotel is another example. For heaven's sake, it has Christopher Lee mimicking a perfect American accent and yet then disappearing. Um, another, uh, The Haunted Strangler, these uh, terrible but oddly memorable movies by Richard Gordon that are flat as a pancake in terms of their affect. But because they're in touch with something, whether it's the uh, encountering aliens that are living under the North Pole in submerged uh, UFOs, flying saucers, I mean, think of that. That is such an... Submerged flying saucers living under the polar ice cap in the freezing cold water where there are no fish, but they're just sitting alone in the darkness under the ice. Wow. I mean, that's that's the dream. Who Who is not listening to this? A, an unidentified object living under the polar ice cap in complete darkness and freezing cold. I mean, which of you listen? I mean, come on. Which of you listening is not, at points in your life, a submerged being living in pitch black darkness under the freezing cold water uh, with... Um, um, yards and yards of ice over you, and yet having the germinating power to, to flip a switch and turn into atomic submarine that can, can, can melt the ice cap and come and fly into outer space. And Black Castle, which of you is not threatened in an Austrian castle by things that happened in Africa in 1815 with... Uh, yapping, uh, extremely threatening alligators and crocodiles uh, to which you will be thrown by a, a, a an aristocrat called Count von Bruno who lost an eye and has a great eye patch and is assisted by a mute servant played by Lon Chaney Jr. known as Gargon. Now, here is another one. Um, the, the Haunted Strangler with Boris Karloff, who plays a good guy who's discovering as an old man that he has a legacy, a word I don't believe in. Someone wrote me the other day and said, uh, we're compiling up a piece that will relate to your legacy to something, a school of thought. We want you to give us a few pages on what is your legacy to this particular school of thought. And I just wanted to say, give me a break. Uh, haven't I told you for years and years and years that there's no such thing as legacy? The legacy is entirely dependent on other forces, whatever your quote legacy is. I mean, who would have thought that I'd be watching The Black Castle, a real exploitation movie from 1952? Or um, what is it called? The, uh, the, the, the um, That one about the woman who uses the makeup and turns into a, a, a young woman, but she's really ancient. It'll the something woman, the wasp woman. It's not that one. It's another one like it, or uh, horror hotel with three singers singing a, a riveting satanic chorus that turns positive based on the D.A.S. Eri. Uh, who would have thought that these things would still pack a wallop? So who am I to say? What is my legacy? What is your legacy? What is your legacy to your children? What is your legacy to your
their work. This is something that Van Gogh could go out on one morning and paint for three or four hours in a in a in a windy field uh, and uh, come back and produce something that is now worth thirty million dollars. Uh, think about the implications of that. And I was thinking about the Pied Piper by Jacques Demy. I'm still really terribly um, of all the movie directors I've been thinking about, the artists. Jacques Demy stands out as one who's speaking of legacy, whose work is memorably terrific and utterly undated. And I was thinking about Bay of Angels, but I was also thinking about The Pied Piper, his 1972 movie. It was kind of an exploitation movie, totally anti, anti-Christian, anti-clerical movie. I'm sure he sort of scratched his head because he, he was not an agended person at all. He was an artist without an agenda. That's clear in all his films, but in he, he was needing work, and he filmed a script that had a very definite late 60s agenda with Donovan, which is so great. And there's all sorts of aggro towards the church, which I understand, and yet the movie is sort of poetic. It haunts you. The picture of the young girl and the children uh, being escorted by the Pied Piper into everlasting shadow by Donovan, and then uh, the, 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 the poor guy who has such a crush on the girl who hasn't felt it, but he's limping. He can't quite make it to catch up with the kids. And the limping child with his, uh, on his crutch um, trying desperately to catch up with his true love, age 14 or 15, and, and he can't do it. And it's uh, so touching about adolescent love. And then this beautiful musical score, um, David Putnam, I think, produced it. But it's got it's got agenda written all over it, and yet Jacques Demy makes it into something that is very memorable. And the part that is good is the touching part about the, the lost love, truly lost love. And... Um, I think this is important to think about how you see in these odd works, whether it's Horror Hotel, Black Castle, The Pied Piper, The Haunted Strangler, of, um, these Richard Gordon films, The Atomic Submarine, um, think about the fact that they all are still touching us today. They are all the sum of their parts. They have no real hold on any kind of consistent category. And... Uh, for that, uh, that says something about the impersonality of the life force. And I want you to, to think about that as you uh, think about everything you're doing. What you're doing is not tied to anything that you, quote, are, end of quote. You know, people think today that we are our identities, and we're just not. Whatever we are, whatever forms and shapes our egos have adapted to live within the particular givens of our psychogenetic um, past, these things die. Remember, you're going to die, really die. You're not going to live after you die. You know, quote, Paul Zoll, end of quote, is not going to live. He's not going to survive physical death. That which is eternal and enduring and a part of God uh, in, quote, Paul Zoll, end of quote, as I've tried to say before, that, that will live. That will live, and that lived before, and that will continue to live, and that will live the part that I love about my wife, many parts, but the part that I really love about my wife, that part, that vivacity, that remarkable, gregarious, but mainly vivacity of heart, mind, and body, that vivacity will live because it's tied into something eternal and powerful. It has to do with those things which are never-ending, like love and truth and beauty and delight and pleasure and all those sort of words, but they're really true when I think of her, when I think of when I think of the Pied Piper or the first man into space, which is terrible, but it has Marla Landy in it. And Marla Landy who was in One Step Beyond years ago and I think she was in she was in uh 
what is that? That uh, not Curse of the Werewolf, but oh, that, the, the Hound of the Baskervilles, the the version of Hound of the Baskervilles that was made with Peter Cushing and Andre Morel, the Hammer version of it. Marla Landy, and I see she's what makes First uh, Man into Space so memorable. Um, but these are saying that whatever is is entirely capricious and quixotic, and um, you know the, the East or the Buddhists are right when they talk. In my opinion, they are true to experience when they talk about everything we do. All eventuality is uh, covered by the phrase dependent arisings. There are a lot of things that go into who you are, and there are a lot of things that have gone into who I am. And these all kind of come together like pickup sticks. And then you have The Black Castle, 1952, with, with its retro soundtrack, which is so haunting, and yet it's it's not. It's 1952, Gargon. Well, um, uh, let me finish by saying that this has led me further and further to believe that the um, possibility inherent within getting older, within middle age, or old age for that matter, is... Um, I've got a very good friend who keeps referring himself as an old man. And I, I, he's 62, and I want to say, well, yes, I would perhaps <clears throat> want to say, I hope it's not denial to say that you're in... You're in later middle age. <laughs> For some reason, that sounds better. But one of the things I know is that the purpose of life as you get older is not to continue to uh, be Paul Zoll or whoever you are, but to actually contemplate on who that ego sort of tried to be, what that ego failed to become based on its false ideas about the lasting character of the ego defense and the ego construction, and actually to contemplate that which is universal, both in terms of circumstance and dependent arisings and in terms of those things which are lasting and, and forever don't change. And uh, uh, let me give you an example of what I mean. Black Castle. Contemplate Black Castle, not because you're sort of a movie buff who likes Black Castle, the Black Castle. Contemplate it for what it says about the human condition, the the endurance of these themes, the <clears throat> fact that you have Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. and they're past their prime, and yet here they are. And you have um, the, the, the um, Africa, and you have... Um, uh, uh, yapping, snapping crocodiles, or in in, a, in an Austrian castle run by Baron von Bruno, and think of that. Think of those. What are those fears? What are those defensivenesses? What on on ultimate defensivenesses? What are those desires to break out of the Black Castle? Because it has a happy ending, by the way. Or think about um, think about the the darkness inherent in Horror Hotel ring for doom service, and yet think of the great themes to break out of the captivating of a seductive cult of New England witches. We talk about, you know, we, we, we're so politically correct, we, we say the worst thing that ever happened in America in tolerance, you know, was uh, the burning of the, the hanging of the Salem witches, which I happen to agree uh, is true, but on the other hand, there I can list you, I can give you right now 50 movies, which are entirely based on the premise that the witches in Salem actually were malevolent, murderous, uh, uh, incarnate evil uh, there. So what a mixed message that is. Or or think about the Pied Piper, the universality inherent in a movie that is actually almost destroyed by ideology, and yet ultimately is really about young love uh, with a beautiful little haunting flute passage that... Um, that dear old Donovan Leith uh, plays uh, in it twice, and at the end, it's in. It's a movie in in conflict with itself, and yet, like you and me. And then you can think about the haunted strangler, old man Boris Karloff, 
who actually uh, becomes the villain and yet is also the hero. I mean, who is that not true of? I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I find out that people uh, run away when I say this. I've now had this happen in Charlottesville at an dinner table conversation. Uh, no, 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 I lie. It was not in Charlottesville. It was in New Orleans with a visitor from uh, Virginia somewhere. And then I had the – twice recently I've had this happen to me in local situations where I've been here when people say, well, what are you doing? You know, what do you do with all your time? And I say, well, I, I really personally believe that the duty of, of, of an older person like myself and uh, after the uh, career is to contemplate both what has been, the futility of what has been in many respects, and also to contemplate my oncoming death. That what we all need to do, but let me say I'm trying to do, I need to, when I say this, not generalize. I just need to answer it when people ask me, what are you doing? And I say, well, really, nothing except contemplating my, my mortality and looking back with some uh, uh, kind of uh, hopefully growing detachment on the many things I did that I now see as simply uh, were a waste of time. I'm talking not I'm talking about theology or about the church or about Christianity. I'm talking about the person that I have been in relation to those things. I'm not talking about those things themselves. I'm talking about me, myself, and I. And um, then I say, you know, and they look at me, you know, like I've just said, uh, I've said something horrible. I was at a funeral and a man heard me say this who asked me sincerely, sort of, who was my age, if not older, and who was very much involved still in various activities in this world and professions. And he literally ran away. I mean, he, he simply said, oh, and he walked away. He couldn't stand it. I, I'm sure it was my packaging of it that failed. But you really want to empty a, you really want to empty a, a social, a, a room, if you're in a social in, uh, environment, just say that you're, um, what, what are you doing as a retired man on Amelia Island or, or Kiowa or, uh, for that matter, um, you know, Cape Cod, and you say that you're, you're contemplating the, the, the onset and the irresistible assault of your own death and uh, trying to understand your previous life in relationship to that um, ineluctable fact, and you will empty your room real quick. Well, that's what I wanted to um, say. I wanted to really just say that these sort of what used to be called kind of bargain basement, but that's not quite the right word. I would say B movies like Horror Hotel, Black Castle, Richard Gordon's, is it four or five? I think it's five movies he made in England in the late 50s, early 60s, and, and certainly any later work of an artist like Jacques Demy who sort of couldn't produce it himself, then um, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll, 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 you'll uh, be interested to see that they, more than mainstream unified works, convey both the dissolution of personal um, uh, creative uh, legacies and also the much larger impersonal character of the vast searchlight that is trying to catch our little finger when it's over the parapet of human ego concerns, and then the vast searchlight catches it in its direct beam and a bright incandescent light comes of creativity, as exists, in my opinion, in these various works I've uh, tried to uh, mention to you. And uh, finally, that therefore they sort of heighten my own desire both to contemplate, to reflect, and to sort of put my finger above the parapet of human shootings, which amount to nothing finally, and then uh, see if I can catch a little bit of the catch a wave and go sidewalk surfing with me, which might in fact be the next step of whatever one's creativity. And funny, I began to think about this, having sort of given up the ghost with the podcast, and then boop, the podcast came. Now, I hope you'll enjoy our concluding music. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
Be a fireball. 